Just a wonderful day to be here, amen, with everybody. Hallelujah. So you can be seated. Amen. We're going to, before we go into the word, we're going to go ahead and partake of a communion this morning. Amen. As I was letting y'all know before, and this is another opportunity to draw closer to the Lord. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. So as the deacons and elders come forth and get in position, I just want to just touch on a couple of things as we prepare our hearts. You know, I'll say prepare our hearts, but you know what? Our hearts should always be prepared. Amen. Amen. Every day of the week. Amen. But it's always good to check yourself. Isn't that right? Amen. So, you know, because we talk about the Holy Communion, the Holy Sacrament. Amen. That's not to be taken lightly. Amen. Without understanding and, of course, self-examination. You know, but the Eucharist is for those who are saved, those who have given their life to the Lord. Amen. And we want to just recognize that. Amen. For the believers who've made that life commitment that, you know what? I give my life over to him. Amen. So, therefore, for those that have not made that commitment yet, it's not recommended or even advisable that you partake of it, amen. And especially our children, we want to make sure that our parents give attention to our children. You know, sometimes we, we, got, we got to make sure they understand this is not a snack in church. Amen. This represents the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we prepare our minds, amen. I just want to read a couple passages to you when you're hearing, amen. First coming out of John 6. Starting at verse 47, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Jesus talking of himself. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know, as he's saying these things, it goes on to say, And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man. And drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Otherwise, he's saying he's that sacrifice for us. He's that one that came to give us life eternal. Amen. So he's speaking to them in terms sometimes that they didn't understand. And it's important that we understand that this, this sacrifice, this sacrament, amen, was for our good. And every time we partake of it, amen, it's, it's, it's like you're, you're rededicating, you're recommitting, amen, you're reaffirming your, your walk with God. And as the scriptures say, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
It's remembering his sacrifice. Therefore, it's reminding us, you know, of the life that we need to live in response to that sacrifice for him. Amen. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 26, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen? Said, but for whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drinketh Eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, not each other, but ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. I love this passage because it lets us know that he's so concerned about your soul and my soul, amen, that he wants us to check ourselves. And I love that last part. He said, you know, that he will be chastened of him, amen. In other words, God's going to bring some correction in our lives. He's going to work to keep us on course so that we don't end up being condemned with the world. And when we take of this sacrament, it's looking at ourselves, not your neighbor, amen, not the person in front of you or behind you or who did you wrong. It's looking at yourself. Say this with me. It's me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. Always that self-examination. And you know how long it takes to get your heart right with God? A moment. A moment. If you choose to, a moment. Be right with him. Amen. So I, I, I look at this, amen, as an opportunity again for us to reaffirm and to celebrate our relationship with such a loving Savior. Amen. That he would sacrifice himself for our redemption amen so i'm gonna turn it over to the elders amen and just follow their instruction and the instructions of the ushers and we'll get everybody served and then we'll all partake together Get in the microphone. Yeah. Thank you, sir. When you pull this striped piece right there, gently off of there, the bottom is going to stay. There's another tab down here, and that's going to stay put. So you just peel that back like that, take your wafer, and then when instructed by the pastor, go ahead and consume it. Then you take the bottom piece, you bend it down first, then bend it back up. And when you bend it, if you bend it down far enough, it should break the plastic that's attached to this cup and then just gently pull it back the same way. So anybody have any questions about that? Okay. 
Uh, we're going to go forth with it. Lord. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of 
Stand with me. Thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, humbly and with appreciation, Lord, for the sacrifice that was made for our sins, Lord, for our redemption. And Lord, as we partake of these elements, God, we bless them in the name of Jesus as they represent the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior. We don't take it lightly, Lord, but we take it, Lord, with understanding, Lord, and we take it, Lord, with reverence unto your name we thank you right now for the body and the blood of jesus christ and he took the bread he said and when he had given thanks he break it he said take eat for this is my body which is broken for you he said after the same manner he took the cup and he said, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Amen. Just pass your cups to the row on either side, and the ushers will collect them up so we don't find them on the floor and everywhere else. Amen. For Otis. Otis. Okay. Thank you, Lord. I know it was the blood. It was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon that cross. I know it was the blood for me. I know it was the blood I know it was the blood I know it was the blood One day when I was lost He died For me How about you? Come on Was Jesus precious blood it was Jesus' precious blood for me. One day when I was on, he died upon that cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you once again, Lord, for all that you've already done for us, God. You continue to look upon us, Lord, and you continue to make ways for you said in your word, you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we know you're right there. Even sometimes when it don't feel like a God, we know 
that you're right there. Lord, and we just need to yield to you more and more. So we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to have your way in our lives, Father. Lord, and we ask you to be in the midst right now as we begin to dig into your word. Let our hearts and minds be, be steadfast and settled right now to hear and to receive what your spirit is saying unto the church. Move us, Lord, out the way. Move me out the way. Lord, and let your spirit have its way in this place. Lord, bring our attention to your word and to your spirit, God, because we know, Lord, that you have something good for us. So we thank you and we praise you right now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We'll go ahead and release our children. Amen. To their class. Hallelujah. And then as they make their way out, we're going to get we're going to get busy. We're going to get to work. Hallelujah. Y'all excited? Y'all ready? Amen, amen. I'm going to get y'all to where y'all going to start bringing y'all pen and paper, y'all notebooks, amen. Hallelujah. Because we got, we got some work to do this morning. And like Pastor Linda was saying, I'm, I'm going to keep provoking y'all because Wednesday night is the opportunity to ask some questions and to, to get a deeper revelation and understanding, amen, as we dig deeper and deeper into this, this word. Amen. We want to we understand, amen. When we pick up the Bible, we want it to speak clearly to us. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. So it takes some, some understanding what it's saying and how it's saying and what it really means. You know, on this. So we're going to continue on part two, amen, from the message that I brought a couple weeks ago. We thank God for the word that Pastor Linda brought last week. Amen. Amen. At what? No, no. I'm talking about her message. Do y'all remember her message last week? It's only been seven days. All right, come on, Kanisha. Amen. Aiming at repentance. Amen. Understanding what that repentance is. Now, we, we, we talk about, you know, our theme, aiming to live as kingdom representatives, right? But you can't represent something you don't understand. Isn't that right? So we're working on some understanding. And we're going to go on to part two, amen, recognizing the kingdom of God. Recognizing the kingdom of God. We read about it, we hear about it, we see it in the scripture, but do we recognize it as, we, as what it really is? Amen. And how God is functioning, you know. So I thank God for another opportunity to be here, you know. And as we dig deeper and deeper, you know, and get a clearer and clearer understanding, you know. As I was saying on, on the message before, I want it to be as though, you know, when we see our, that, that word kingdom of God or kingdom you know, it just jumps in our spirit. It's like, there it is again. There it is again, like, like that car, right? Every time you get a new car, now you see them everywhere. I want you to see the kingdom. I want you to see, you see the kingdom everywhere in the word of God, amen. And it speaks to you. That's where I'm going. That's, that's, that's where God is working on. That's, that's, that's the, the master plan of God, amen. So we're going we gonna to look into this, amen, and and continue to dig so that we can get this deeper and deeper and deeper in our spirit. Amen. And I remember I was talking about there's two different aspects, amen, of the gospel. Isn't that right? Amen. The gospel is what? The good news of what? I'm, I'm going to keep quizzing y'all as I come to you because I, I, want, I want y'all to get this. Now, what does gospel mean? Good news, right? 
Amen. And what does the kingdom mean? Government. So when we talk about the, the, the gospel, we're talking about, you know, the kingdom. We're talking about the good news of God's government. Not man's government. You know what I'm saying? We're going to dig into that a little bit more this morning so we can really get there. It's not the government of man that we should be worried about. Amen. It's the government of God that we want to be a part of. And, and for who? If you was here Wednesday night, you would see you really going to get to be a part of that government. Amen. As, as, as we dig into it. But the first aspect of, of the kingdom coming was what? It was Christ. Amen. So like I said, two aspects. The first one is salvation. Amen. He came to, to, to save us from ourselves, from the, this, this sinful world that we live in. Because if, unless he saves us, he can't use us in the kingdom. You know, so, so in order to be in the kingdom and used in the kingdom, you got to meet the qualifications. Remember we talked about you got to qualify for so many other things in life. But when you talk about qualifying to be in God's kingdom, people say, well, it's all by grace. No, he said you can be rewarded according to your works. Notice I didn't say you're going to be saved according to your works. Uh-huh. It's different. Yes, sir. But he says there's a reward according as our works shall be. Amen. So that means that we got, we, got, we got something to do. We got some part to play, amen, in this thing as we walk out, walk out our salvation, not just saying I'm saved and that's all there is to it. Now it's time to go to work, right? It's like going to college. I got my degree. That's all there is to it. Now I can go back to McDonald's. That wouldn't make no sense, would it? No. So, so we got to think bigger and broader, amen. And the second part, and, 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 and I think to me, the most exciting part, you know, of this kingdom thing is God's government that we get to be a part of, amen, that we, as his saints, will have the opportunity to reign and to rule with him in his kingdom, his, his everlasting kingdom, as we will reiterate, you know, some tonight. Sometimes if, if we don't understand the big picture, we sell God short. Or even misrepresent him when we're trying to share the gospel with somebody. Because if we don't understand the gospel, we're going to share error, right? Uh-huh. We're not going to share truth. We're not going to share hope. I, I was thinking about it like, like this. I mean, if you were, 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 if you were to speak to an unsaved person, a sinner, amen, and you be tell, begin to tell them you need to repent and be saved and get right with God so you can be in relationship with him, so you won't, so you can spend eternity in heaven and you won't go to hell. How well do you think that's received? Right? But understanding of how to approach somebody with good information, I, I, I laid out this scenario. You said, if I was to come to him and say, all humanity has fallen short, amen, in sinful condition. Amen. And and because God loves us so much, he made a way for us to be saved from that original sin. And not only that, he's made a way that we can rule and reign with him forever in his kingdom. Don't that sound better? And that's true. Right? Now, that's not to say the, the, the wicked and the disobedient won't have their part in the lake of fire. 
because the scripture tells us they will. But Christ's love is so great that he wants to help us avoid that destiny, amen, to get the destiny that he truly has for us. You see, so when we have a right understanding, we can, we can show the love of God and not the fear of God because fear only takes you so long and takes you so far. But, you know, when I fell in love with Pastor Linda, it's carried us now for almost 50 years. Well, actually, over 50 years if I count the courtship. Huh? See, I wasn't scared of her because that wouldn't have lasted long, right? But I loved her, so amen. We, we you know, went through the ups and downs, but love has carried us through the test, through the trials, through the ups and downs. So when you help somebody to fall in love with Jesus, what do you think that's going to do? It's going to keep them. It's going to help them to get through the test and the trials and the ups and downs. And still hold on to Jesus. But if you just sell him short as a fearful God, fearful God that's going to punish you and torture you and waiting to pounce on you with a hammer every time you mess up, don't nobody want nothing to do with that. Right? Because that's, 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 again, misrepresenting who he is. So I want to just digress, amen. We ended up, amen, talking about Gabriel's conversation with Elizabeth. Well, not Elizabeth, I'm sorry, she, Elizabeth was in there, but we talked about his conversation with Mary. Right, right. Amen. And how that he was sharing with Mary, you know, from her conception that he was going to be great. Let's look in, in Luke. I'm going to just reiterate because there's something else I want to pull out of that passage in Luke 1. Amen. Verse 31 through 33. You know, and he said this, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And notice, remember, she, she was the virgin. She ain't never been with a man, right? And bring forth a son and, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him his, the throne of his father David. So why would he need the throne? Who sits on the throne? A king. So he's letting them know he's going to be a king, right? But not only that, he said, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Gabriel, like I said before, Gabriel wasn't making this up. He's speaking prophetically into future events. He, he's speaking things that probably even Mary at that moment couldn't even comprehend. But he wasn't just speaking it for her good, he was speaking it for ours too. So that we can see this even now, amen, and, and begin to see the proofs in Scripture that he knew that the Lord knew we would receive one day, that, that we would be able to see the, a, a pattern of God's master plan throughout the Bible. But it's got to be pointed out to us so that we can get some clarity with it, isn't that right? So even, you know, we look at a little deeper at Jesus' conversation with Pilate. Just prior to him being crucified, let's go to John 18. Amen. Verses 36 and 37, he said, you know, because they were getting ready to crucify Jesus. So Pilate called him in. He wanted to have a conversation, a private conversation with Jesus because you got the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all, all of them there, there, there saying crucify him. And they're provoking the people, amen, to crucify him. He's been taken from the garden, amen, where he prayed for the Lord to let the cup pass. And now he's standing before Pilate and Pilate don't see nothing wrong. Nothing, you know, he said, I don't see any fault in this man. So, but they insisted. 
And we're talking about the religious folk. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to get to that a little bit later on too. But they were insisting crucify him because he was a threat to their regime. Right? So Pilate calls him in to speak with him privately. And, and they're having a conversation. And it says here in the 36th verse, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, now notice he, he's not saying he don't have a kingdom. And he's not saying he's not saying the father's kingdom. I want us to really pay attention to what he's saying. My kingdom. Right? So he said, you know, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore saith unto him, Art thou a king then? See, Pilate, you know, because you know the Romans didn't want nobody putting themselves above Caesar. You know, so now you claim to be a king. That's a crime. Because now you're saying you're above Caesar. But so he asked him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, Thou saith that I am a king. Now watch these words. You know, when I looked at this, I thought, like, Wow. He said, And to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. That expands his purpose even beyond. See, a lot of times we look at Jesus, he just came to save us from our sins. He just came to be the sacrifice for the sins. But that's not what Jesus just said. That was step one. That was just to get us in the door. But he said his real purpose for coming was what? For this end I was born be a king. For this purpose came I into the world unto this end to be a king over my kingdom that will rule globally. Imagine that. Like, wow. This way back then. You know, and, and then he goes, and I mean, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He's saying, if you really want to hear, what he said, let the Spirit hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. He says, so he wants us to hear what he's really saying. Don't just gloss over it and read it as a, an idle statement. No, he's speaking statements of truth and fact of what's going to take place. You know, to this end was I born. I was born for this. Not just to be a sacrifice. I took care of that. Well, in fact, at this point, he was getting ready to take care of that and be done with that because he was going to go to the cross that day. But here we see that he's saying his purpose is bigger than that. You ever think about Christ's purpose being bigger than just the cross? Or we just stay focused on the cross? It's bigger. It's bigger. Amen. So again, we look at this and then we drop on down. I, mean, I want to drop this on you, amen, from Revelations 2 and 26. Amen. Because he came, amen, to, to save us from destruction, amen, and to enlist us into his kingdom. Amen. So that we would be able to rule and to reign with him. And Revelations 2, 26 says this, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works Unto the end. Now he's talking about the same man he was telling Pilate about. To him will I give power over 
nations. Let that sink in. Kind of test, we talked about that on, on Wednesday, but some of y'all wasn't here. So I got to go back there for a minute. Power over not just cities, right? Not just towns, but he said over nations. Can you, can you comprehend that? In other words, he wants you and I, amen, to be in a position in his eternal kingdom that is to come, amen, to rule and to reign over this world with him. Are you ready for that? See, you thought you were going to be riding clouds in heaven. No. He's got a bigger plan than that. Let's look, just look at this. In the, I'm going to read that same verse in a couple of more versions just to help it sink in. In the Amplified, it says it like this. And he who overcomes is victorious and who obeys my commands to the very end, doing the works that please me. In other words, not pleasing yourself. That please me. Will I give him authority and power over the nations? You can't make this stuff up. Right? And it says it like this in the message. Now, the message just kind of, you know, paraphrases, just kind of, you know, our kind of language, right? You know, when we, not with the old English, but he says, here's the reward I have for every conqueror. Everyone who keeps at it, refusing to give up, you will rule the nations. I could, I could close right there. Amen. If we see what's being offered and what's available and what's, what's hanging over our head, what in this world becomes more important than being steadfast? What in this world becomes more important that you got to sacrifice all what he's got available to you and me if we just endure to the end? If we just hold on, tell somebody next to you, hold on. Don't give up. It's worth the trouble. Come on, because he, he lets no trouble going to come. But that's all right, because trouble is testing you. Yeah. Trouble is testing me. Like going to the gym, the pain says you're making progress. Yeah. Trouble means you're doing something right. Yeah. The scripture literally tells us, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Because obviously you're compromising, but when you stand on the word of God, he said you will be hated for my name's sake. Ain't no getting around that. But we got to make up our mind. We can be friends with the world or we can be enemies to the world and friends with God. Which one you want? I know who my friend is. Right? So we got we to grab it and we got to hold on to it. Amen. Because remember, I mean, he told Mary this when she was on, about to go through nine months of pregnancy. And he, he talked to Pilate, amen, when he was getting ready, the day he was getting ready to be crucified. But then we can look back, because like I said, I want you to see the kingdom everywhere. So we can look all the way back into the, the Old Testament. Let's go to Isaiah 9, familiar verse. Amen. 9 and 6. This was over 700 years before the coming of Christ. They called Isaiah the eagle-eyed prophet because he could look far down, amen, into the future. God revealed things to him. And it says this in the sixth verse. He said, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now watch out. Here it comes. And the government will be upon his shoulders. In other words, the kingdom. 
This is going to rest on him. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And watch this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. No end. No end. Amen. He says, upon the throne of David. There it is again. Same thing Gabriel said. Upon the throne of David and upon his, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. And that's what he's working on right now, helping us to be a part of it, right? Amen. To establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth forever, oh, even forever. I like that, even forever. And I like this last part. I always highlight this last part of that verse. The Lord, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Anybody in here ever been zealous? And you ever let your zeal get you in trouble because you just so so determined to do it because you you know your zeal has gotten the best of you. Amen. But your zeal is a motivator, ain't it? So when I see you talking about the zeal of the Lord of the host, oh my goodness. It, it ain't going to get the best of God. I mean, that's just like just putting a cherry on top, of a huge exclamation point. God's going to do this. If God is zealous about anything, you better bet it's going to happen. Right? So, so we need to recognize, amen, when we see this, he's talking about the throne of David, amen, that seat of authority, amen, from which Jesus is going to sit and rule the whole world. You don't hear this everywhere because people aren't digging into this stuff. But we need to know this stuff. That when the, when the typical troubles and woes of life hit you, you got something else on board. I can get over this. I'm not going to let this stop me from getting to that. Right? See, I want us to have a hope that's so big, a hope that's so deep in our hearts and our minds, amen, that, that we can get through, you know, we can, we can get through this life, amen, which is only temporary, amen, which is fleeting, amen, and it just, just goes so quickly by. Is it just me or and Pastor Lee, we, 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 look, we constantly say how fast time is moving. Is anybody else feeling that? How, how fast the, the days are going. It seems like we go from Sunday to Sunday. The rest of the week is a blur. It just goes by so fast. Amen. And I think about the passage that say, except those days be shortened. Right? We coming up on something. Amen. And, and we got to be ready. We got to get, get our hearts and our minds set. Amen. Because the better we understand what the Bible is really saying to us on these matters, we really understand what really matters. To you and to me in our everyday living, it's important. Even in the in the book of Acts, Amen. We 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 in the healing of the impotent man, you know, at the temple, you know, when Peter and John, Amen, they they got in trouble because they healed a man that was laying at the gate. Anybody remember the name of the gate? The gate called Beautiful, Amen. I, that reminds me. It just caused me to think about the twelve gates in heaven. How beautiful they're going to be. Amen. But he's laying at the gate called beautiful, amen, and they touch and they heal him, amen. He tells him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Right? You know, and so when they got in trouble, amen, and they were, they were arrested and they were brought before the council, amen, and they were questioning them. And these are the words that, that Peter repeated unto them in Acts 3, 19 to 21. He said, repent ye therefore. Now, you chastising me for, you know, performing miracles and 
you know, carrying on the work of Jesus. And you should be humbling yourself. But what did he do? He started preaching to him. I like that man. Amen. He said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now here it is. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing. What's he talking about here, Pastor? Times of refreshing. See, he's way over their head. Well, he's way over their head, but he goes on to say, and he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you. Now hear what he said in the 21st verse. Whom the heavens must receive unto the time of restitution of all things. He said, we preached Jesus to you, and you didn't receive it. So the time of refreshing ain't yet, but he said, you better be ready because it's coming. And he said, no, because, but Jesus, who, who was preached to you, the heavens had to receive him back up. Remember, he ascended up, and the, the apostles watched him, amen. They watched him ascend back up, amen. They received him back until the time of restitution. We're going to touch on that here in a minute if I can get to it, amen. Of all things, and what's restitution? It's paying back. It's restoring. It's putting things back in their original you know, to, to, to get you back where you was. Where do we start off? Where did mankind start off? Not just in the garden, but in right relationship with God. That's it. You know, but he also, well, I won't go there right now. But, you know, we, we look at that. So he said, but he didn't stop there. He said, the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. In other words, he's saying this message has been delivered over and over and over again, but I don't think you're getting it. I mean, this is, this is now, Jesus has been crucified, amen, and now they're coming against the, the apostles and the, his disciples that are pushing, amen, the, the New Testament church that started on in the day of Pentecost, and they, but they're still going through all of this stuff coming against them. Amen. And then we, he goes on and here, we, we see the restitution, the refreshing. God has a plan in mind. Amen. So we ain't have to worry about his master plan will come to pass. Amen. And I want to be in the right place, right? You want to be in the right place, right? Amen. Whether you're still breathing or whether you're asleep with the Lord, you want to be ready when that time comes. Right? And that's what he's working on, amen, because why? He's speaking, amen, of this, this, this earth being restored. Amen. And not just this natural earth because he's, you know, we know in Revelation he said he saw a new heaven and a new earth. But in other words, God's plan being restored. His original plan from the very beginning, amen, coming to restore all things back to God, what God intended when he first blew breath into Adam, was that he could have relationship with man without sin being in the way, amen, and it's getting nearer and nearer and nearer to coming to pass, you know, so think about this. It doesn't mean that he's done with his people Israel just because he's made a way for you and me. You know, think about the Israelites. You know, there's so much going on in Israel right now that, that people aren't paying attention to. And, and I think it's important that we, we take pause and we, we look and we say, you know what? You know, all the things we read, you know, and we've looked at, and I've recommended you go back and you begin to read in the book of Matthew in the 24th chapter, all those things. When you look at it, you see all those things are already happening. But there's one final piece that has to take place, amen, to, for everything to be completed. And, and it's, it's dealing with the people of Israel, God's chosen people. He hasn't thrown them away. 
Even though, you know, for a season he's blinded their eyes, amen, and he's, he, he's, he's deafened their ears so they would not hear the, the message of salvation, the message of Jesus Christ. Why? To give us an opportunity. Who do I say us? The Gentile nations. Amen. The, the non-Jews amongst us. You know, I thought I was thinking back to the trip that Pastor Linda and I took, our 10-day tour, amen, with a group, another group of pastors, amen, to Israel back in 2007. And, oh, boy, they kept us going. We hit so many different places. I mean, you get up, you go and go on to the, you know, you land, you drop your bags off, and you go on tour. Amen. Every day is full. Going to different sites and riding here and there. You know, that's when she tried to drown in the, in the, in the. <laughs> I, I had to put that in there, right? You know, they, they tell you, it can't, can't nobody drown in the salt sea, you know, but, you know. She had to go in there and prove them, just give me a few minutes. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I went out there and I, I, I sat, you know, and just floated on the water like it was around you, you know, no problem, right? Then I go back, I say, okay, I'm going to let you go out there, I'm going to get my camera, I'm going to take some pictures of you, you know? So she gets out there and she starts, she's doing good at first. And then when she put her feet down, they shot right back up. <laughs> and when they shot back up, the water touched her ears. That was it. She panicked, flailing, and just, just <laughs> I had to drop my camera, run out there, and get, <laughs> and we got all these other pastors out there watching, and <laughs> then the tour guy says, I, you had to mess up my story, because he told us, you know, you can't drown here, but <laughs> leave it to Pastor Linda, she's going to test your word, but we had a good time, but the one thing I remember from that trip is that when we got there, they were, they were very clear to tell us all don't be trying to proselytize or convert any Jews because it's against the law. Don't even go there, right? But when I look now, if you look now at the news, if you take a look at what's going on now, Jews are turning to Christ by the thousands. They're having revivals in Israel. That gets me excited. Because, well, I'm going to show you. Amen. But I, I want to I read this, this quote that I found in one of the articles I was reading. He said, these are truly amazing times. God's spirit is being poured out. He's talking about Israel. Poured out like never before here in the Middle East. Bringing a harvest of new believers from Muslim, the Muslim world and also among the Jewish people. At a pace. Hear this at a pace that is hard to keep up with. Not only that, but we are also seeing God draw Jewish and Arab pastors together in precious unity that feels completely new right here in Israel today. And he goes on to say, is God fixing his broken nets? Remember the first time Jesus told them to cast the nets, they got so many fish, the nets start to break. But after the resurrection, when he met them and he told them to cast their net again, he said when they brought it in that the nets were so full that they would break, but they didn't. See, what's that, what's that saying? Before, some got away. But when the time comes, ain't no one going to get away. God wants you. Amen. You've been doing right. He's going to bring you in. Amen. So I, I look at this, but he says, you know, is he preparing the nets 
for a miraculous catch of fish. It is so important that we as believers are united and ready for a great influx of new believers. We are receiving so many requests for New Testament information, help, and advice on what to do after receiving Yahweh as Messiah. Come on now, (laughs) y'all. He said that, that the team can't keep up with it all. We get messages of this nature all the time these days. Truly, we are seeing things that have not been seen before in, modern, in the modern state of Israel. The nation is turning around. And, and ooh, I, I can paint with a broad brush, but I have to paint because there's so many details going through my mind. But as Israel turns to God, there, there, we're talking about the restitution and the refreshing. As they turn to the Messiah, as they get back in right relationship with him, what are we seeing going on in the world around Even in this nation, the rest of the world is becoming more pagan. The rest of the world is turning more and more away from God. So what we see happening truly is a reversal. Because God began just dealing with Israel and everybody else was pagan. But he caused them, you know, because of them rejecting him, he caused their eyes to be blinded, which opened the door to give the Gentile nations an opportunity to come to Christ, to understand the gospel and to be saved. But now as we get closer to the end times, things are going back the other direction. And according to the scripture, that's what's happening. Not just what we see in the news, according to the scripture, we see what's happening. So we end, I end that quote because I want us to understand as we see degradation in our nation and nations around the world, and as we see the, the nation of Israel rising up, that is one of the signs of the end times is getting ready to be upon us. And again, like I said, you can, you can look at it. Google it yourself. Okay, if you don't believe me, believe Google. And believe I can tell you a little bit more than Google because there's so much stuff out there. Amen? With the help of God. But we need to understand God has not cast away the Jews. Not at all. Look at these passages with me. I'm almost done. But if we go to Romans and and we see what happens. In Romans 11, verses 1 and 2, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Talking about the Jews. God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What? Ye not, or in other words, know ye not that the scripture, I say that what the scripture saith in Isaiah, I mean Elias, I'm sorry, how he maketh intercession to God against the Israel, against Israel. And because he was complaining when, when he was going through, he says, I'm the only one left. And God let him know, oh, no, I, I got 700 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. In other words, God, God let him know, I always have a remnant. Amen. And what's that remnant look like? And what's it been looking like in our days? It's what they call the Messianic Jews, the ones that yet believed in Christ in spite of everything else. Okay, the remnant. Amen. But there's going to be more than a remnant. Drop down to verse number seven and eight. He said, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but 
the election has obtained it. In other words, they haven't found what they, they seeking for Messiah, but they ain't found it yet. Right? But he's saying the election has obtained it. Amen. And the rest, and who's the election? Again, like I said, those Messianic Jews. He's got that remnant that sees him and believes him and worships him. Amen. But he goes on to say, and the rest were blinded according as it is written. God hath given them the spirit of slumbering, slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. In other words, the reason they're not receiving is because God purposed that to happen. It's not just there. You know, it's amazing because even as we were on that tour, the tour guy could tell us stories in the Bible. He could tell us back and forth all about Jesus. But when you asked him about Jesus being Messiah, he just couldn't receive it. He knew the Bible better than some of the pastors on the bus. But he could not receive Jesus. You know, he said, I've had a lot of them try and hear and come and convert me, but it ain't happening. You know, I mean, he just, he was, he was a typical Jew that was under this influence. And nothing against him because that's God knows what he's doing, right? So, because we, if we drop down to verse number 15, oh, did I finish that passage? No, I didn't. Where did I start at? Amen. At, at number eight. Okay. So he, because I get ahead of myself sometimes. Until this day. Okay, we're going to drop down to verse number 11 and 12, because I'm not trying to read all the other stuff. He said, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Did y'all hear that? So through their fall, it allowed us to rise. Come on now. Come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So he said, if God can bless all of us in their fall, how much greater it's going to be when they rise? My God, it's going to be mind-blowing when you see the revival that's going to take place. You see the things that's happening as this, as this age of this world is winding up. We're going to see some mighty, magnificent things coming from the kingdom of God. Amen. And I'm going to drop down to this last passage and then I'm, I'm going to be through. Amen. Because truly, I, I, I hope, amen. Well, I got one more after that. But How many closing do I get? <laughs> but this one here, amen. Let's, let's read. Let, I, I have to read this to you because I don't want to dig too deep. But in, in Romans, dropping down to verse 15. He said, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but the life, but life from the dead? Wow. Going to bring life. Good to see you, Sam. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump also is the lump also holy. And if the whole, I mean, if the root be holy, so be so are the branches. Come on now. Are y'all following? Yes, All right now. He says, so, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being wild olives, you Gentiles, were grafted 
in among them, and with them partaketh of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. In other words, they were broken off and we were grafted in against nature. Right? This is, it don't even belong on the olive branch, but look what he said. You know, and, and we partook of the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. Don't think you better than the natural branch. Don't, don't be putting the Jewish people down. Don't be thinking that, you know, we better than they are. I got news for you. God sees them. Because let, let's, let's continue to read. I want us to get this, amen. He said, don't boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou boastest not. If thou, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, you're not holding this thing up. It's still an olive branch. I mean, it's still an olive tree, rather. And that tree is what's holding you, Gentiles. Amen. Don't think you got it all together. Thou shalt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broke off. And thou standest by faith. Our faith is the only thing got us in the branch. Only thing got us, you know, grafted in. Be not high. Because, you know, and I, I love this passage because... I have talked to people over the years who had so many things to say against the Jewish nation and against Israel and feel like they just walked in apostasy and all, I mean, just tearing them down. But I always take them to here. I say, let's, let's see what it says here. Say, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, God knows what he's doing. Amen. And God, God is, is, is a good God. He said, don't be, high, don't be not high minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, Take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. And we see like I said earlier, we can look at the news reports. We can look at, you know, they're being grafted in. They're being grafted in. And guess what? When you graft back into the plant where you came from, ain't no heart, <laughs> ain't no problem. You're getting attached, right? You see, grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. And if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own, their own olive tree. Now, I, I, I got to take pause here for a second. Here in the Western world, we have a tendency to believe that Christianity is a Western religion, a Western faith, and that we spread it around to the world and we, we, we you know, we evangelize and we do all these things but that's not true Christianity was a Jewish faith from the beginning and because they rejected it it was opened up to us who received it and began to flourish and spread it around the world see so and what happened to the Jews when they rejected Christianity, because when you read the New Testament, it tells you they were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay? And this is when 
you know, the disciples were spreading the church and setting things up. They were Christians. But when they rejected Christ, the Jewish people began to practice Judaism, which was not Christianity. Because the scribes and the Pharisees, they wanted to have their own religion, and Christ came. That's why they crucified him, because they were shaking things up. So we had to get rid of this Christ, because he's starting a whole new religion. Notice, he didn't, he didn't go you know, to them to get followers. He went to fishermen, tax collectors, <laughs> you know, doctor, you know, common people, because he didn't want to have to try to undo the stuff that was already in their head. And so he began to build a whole new faith called Christianity. But we got the opportunity to grab hold of it when it was rejected by the Jewish nation. So when we think that Christianity belongs to us, we're wrong. We've received it as ours now, but don't forget where it started. And so when he's talking about the, the olive tree, that's Christianity. See, we've been grafted into Christianity, but they began with Christianity. And they can very well receive it and flourish in it again. So don't ever think that, you know, we helping them out. Their fall helped us out. Let's remember that. Amen. In this last passage, I'm done, then I'm done. Amen. Drop down to verse number 25. He said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, which I just explained to you, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until, now this is very important. He says, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What's he saying? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a cutoff. You see, if you're talking about the full, that means that if something is full, there's no room for what? Anymore. See, so the fullness of the Gentiles coming in, and once that if I could use the word quota, is met. Watch what's happening. He said, till the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and he's talking about into the, the olive tree, into Christianity, and all Israel shall be saved. See, once, once we, we get in, the door's going to shut. And when that door shut, he says, and I'm not making this up. Look in your Bible, no matter what verse. He said, all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. He's going to show up and every single one is going to be delivered. His chosen people. But we have the opportunity now to get in. Tell somebody, get in. Get in. Stay, in. Stay in. Don't miss out. 